Welcome to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. The world's ports are the cornerstone of the global economy and supply chain. Today, they're under growing threat from climate impacts and natural disasters. International Monetary Fund senior economist Sirkin Arslanalp says real-time visibility and geospatial technology are key for international trade and critical supply chains to thrive in our interconnected world. In today's global economy, it's just not good enough to use traditional economic data anymore. So we have to go beyond the traditional economic data if you want to spot those turning points in the economy as they occur. And there is great potential to use this data even further, we feel, how we can track dynamics in the global economy in a very timely fashion, much more than in the past. Esri's John Linehan investigates how monitoring port activity with geospatial technology enables a more resilient supply chain. Hello, Sirkin. Welcome to Esri and the Science Aware podcast. Hello, John. So, Sirkin, you know I'm a huge fan of the work your team has been doing. The International Monetary Fund is famous for putting out reports, but you're doing something different now and communicating in a new way. Can you tell me what PortWatch is and what it enables some of your member countries to do? Yes, of course. Very briefly, PortWatch is a platform that we are developing together with Esri to inform our country authorities about the effects of natural disasters that may be hitting them either today or in the future. A key feature of the platform is its disaster alert system. Through that, we are going to be providing weekly email alerts on trade disruptions that may be caused by floods, cyclones, and other natural disasters uh, like these. And through that, we hope to also monitor disruptions to the global supply chains, which are, of course, key to the global economy and are also somewhat vulnerable to climate-related uh, uh, disasters, as we have seen in the recent past major episodes. It surprises me that this platform is the first time we've been able to see the interconnections between ports, trade routes, and gl- global supply chains You know, in the shipping industry. Why do you think that is, and, and uh, how was this information shared with you know, countries in the past? As the global supply chains are quite complicated and complex, We have worked together as a team, including through our partnership with the Oxford University, to to do a couple of things. First, to make sure that we monitor trade flows in and out of ports. We use satellite data, which has become available in the last uh, few years. And this allows us to not rely on official data, which, as you know, can come out with a lag of sometimes months and in some cases even years. So that's the first key component here. And the second key component is that we are taking into account global supply linkages because what happens in in Shanghai doesn't stay there, as you know, and it just trickles down into all the other ports that are downstream from the Shanghai port. And we do that by really understanding the underlying linkages between ports and specific supply chains. So each port is unique and their shipments, their their trade, and their throughput is is different. How do you calculate that at, at a port level that really provides a unique perspective for individual ports? We monitor around 1,400 ports all around the world, and each one is indeed, just like you said, John, quite different. We are talking about some small Pacific islands, which may be reliant on a single port, and that may be receiving container ships every two weeks or so. 
Whereas, you know, if you think about the port of uh, Singapore, there's buzzing ongoing activity on a hourly basis. <laughs> so how do we differentiate between these two uh, types of ports? Uh, again, goes back to the satellite data. The satellite data allows us to track vessels in real time. Their, you know, sizes, their gross tonnage, and even how much cargo they carry. And this is based on some somewhat sophisticated analytics, but it's doable. And we have proved that it has been a very uh, accurate indicator of actual official trade flows by comparing our estimates with official sources. So we are able to essentially produce the official data, but without waiting for the data released to come out. And we can do this, as you said, John, at a port level, which also gives us additional information about where the disruptions may be happening. So climate change obviously makes travel more difficult for ships, but how do these climate changes affect ports? So for instance, our platform can inform countries to design strategies to diversify their trading routes or or decide where, where they should put more money into investing their ports. Uh, especially with the rising sea level, because they would be able to see where the pressure points are, where the potential vulnerabilities are by doing uh, what we call what-if scenarios. Uh, How would a disaster that hits Fiji today affect the country, taking into account where Fiji trades with, both for its imports and exports? And we can do that not, of course, for Fiji, but also for all countries around the world. Portwatch Mm. is translating big data into insights so people and users can get a risk assessment of their individual port that they can respond to. Can you share any insight or or learnings you've had about ports that are particularly vulnerable so far that you've been able to kind of uncover? One thing that really struck us is the vulnerability of Pacific Island ports. Some examples are Fiji, Micronesia, Tuvalu, Salomon Islands. These countries are not just themselves vulnerable to climate change. As you probably know, they are vulnerable to rising sea levels, but also uh, quite a bit of hurricanes in that region, but they're also disproportionately reliant on maritime um, imports from uh, countries that are themselves <laughs> vulnerable to, to, to climate-related shocks. And moreover, they have, in some cases, only one port. So if that port closes, the whole economy shuts down. But also Guam, for example, which is a port in the North Pacific. And if those ports were to be affected, we find that they would have spillover effects to the region affecting many, many, many countries at the same time. And maybe not to mention, of course, there are globally important ports like the port of uh, Shanghai. And we all know what happened during COVID uh, when Shanghai was under lockdown for just a few weeks. We, all of us, including in the US, have seen the effects of that, including whether it's, you know, not getting our goods on time or even Christmas deliveries were late in some cases. So it's it's it, it affects people's lives globally, depending on how systemically important these regional or global ports are. So the, the case of Singapore, like you said, Sirkin, really affects all of us globally on a, on a day-to-day basis if there's issues. But I like this idea of a, a net network or a region of smaller ports that operate and using port watch to really help them assess and maybe try to build greater resilience into their into their shipping networks is that something that you you imagine some of the countries will begin to to do uh absolutely i think uh, john uh, the word resilience that uh, you just mentioned is a kind of the key guiding force for us in terms of our uh, design of the platform 
because in a more kind of shock-prone world, we think that all countries need to invest more in resilience, whether it's um, resilience of their global supply chains or whether it's the resilience of their ports uh, directly being affected by natural disasters. So we think about that in essentially three ways. One is how can we help country authorities uh, essentially prepare uh, for more natural disasters, which we know will become more frequent and more severe as a result of climate change. So that's number one. The second thing is we try to do what we call stress testing of the maritime trade uh, network. And through that stress testing, just like you would identify if a bank is possibly weak and may not be able to withstand a sudden deposit run, <laughs> we could also see if a regional port or or a national port is in the same way very vulnerable to such a to 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 an adverse shock and 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 then think about how to make that more resilient so that would be the second thing and the third thing would be uh, in the international monetary fund we are trying to uh, facilitate more and more climate related analysis and you would see that in our reports uh, over the last uh, few years we have been focusing more and more on climate uh, resiliency um, and and that has become uh, such a macro critical issue that uh, we realize we cannot avoid talking about climate change anymore in our reports, which used to only talk about, you know, the usual monetary policy, fiscal policy, exchange rate policies. But now climate policy has also become an integral part of our analysis and advice. It's it's really almost impossible to separate the two any longer with the impacts that climate you know risk and, and resiliency really plays in the economic system so that's that's interesting to hear your perspective on that uh circuit that keeping track of massive moving assets like ships is something that spatial analytics does well mm -hmm. can you but can you tell me why a, a geographic information system and the underlying technology effectively addresses that problem for you after all, we are talking about a system, the global trade system, which is inherently spatial. In other words, the global trade network requires detailed understanding of spatial interactions between countries and the transport routes that are used. Uh, so on top of that, the climate extremes can materialize in different places at the same time. So we need to be able to keep track of these things spatially and the geographic information system is essentially the best way to combine these different spatial elements as we see it. So can you tell me some of the surprises you're learning from Portwatch now that you're you know you're you're loading the data, it's it's rolling out. What do you what do you what are you finding? What kind of insights and surprises is the system uncovering for you? We were struck by first of all the with the enormous economic uncertainty that's caused by you know natural disasters. We knew that they were important, cyclones, earthquakes and so on. But, you know, as you know, there's always come as a surprise to policymakers because it's hard to prepare for one. And what we have been able to do is to essentially simulate those events and see their impact on the global supply chain. And we were quite struck how disruptive they could be, especially for ports like Shanghai or Singapore, as, as we talked about. So that's one major, I would say, learning that we've had, and we want to share that learning also with, you know, with the public and with the country authorities, so we can invest in resilience, as you mentioned, John. Uh, maybe the other example that I 
could highlight is that how much need there is for this kind of information. After the you know, earthquake in uh, Turkey and Syria, we provided timely data on port activity and trade impact to the country team in the International Monetary Fund. And they, the, we, you know, seeing that the country team really utilize these estimates in their forecasts and advice to the country authorities uh, was truly rewarding for us. And so it really, we knew that this was relevant, but to see it in action was something even uh, more rewarding. And maybe finally, as I mentioned, small island developing countries are, are particularly vulnerable in, 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 in this area. I mentioned the Pacific Islands. These countries are not just vulnerable of their own right, but also because of their dependence to a relatively small number of other vulnerable ports. And so to highlight their vulnerability in, in this area, we hope will also provide more support both financially and otherwise to these countries to build their resilience to, to climate change over the coming years. So doing research for this for this interview, Sirkin, I read this quote by you that I really kind of liked. So let me just say it and, and then uh, ask you a question on it. One thing about economists, we are good at projecting trends forward many years into the future, but we are not very good at identifying turning points in the economy as they occur. So with that in mind, how is Portwatch helping you address that ability to identify turning points? You know, in today's modern global economy, I think we are all realizing that we need to go beyond traditional economic data. In today's global economy, it's just not good enough to use traditional economic data anymore because it's just not as timely, it's not frequent enough, it's not in some cases, even accurate down to the level of granularity that we wish. So we have to go beyond the traditional economic data if you want to spot those turning points in the economy as they occur. And for that, you know, we are focused on trade at the moment, which, you know, benefits from a lot of timely information through a network of satellites that track the movement of vessels. And there is great potential to use this data even further, we feel. So we hope this will be a good example of how uh, we can use such data sources, which are really beyond the scope of traditional economic data, and also some of the data analytics that are provided in platforms like, like yours to show to policymakers and the general public how we can trade, how we can track dynamics in the global economy in a very timely fashion, much more than in the past. So let's see how this experiment uh, continues. I love this entire effort that you and the team at the IMF is undertaking along with your partnerships. The idea of ushering in a new era of using technology to better understand global trade, but also the disruptions and with that goal of, we mentioned it a few times here, resiliency. So thank you, Sirkin, for your time and I really appreciate it. Thank you, John. Thank you for listening to the Esri in the Science of Wear podcast. And thanks to Sirkin Arslanalp for explaining how modernized worldwide port monitoring is bringing resilience to the supply chain. If you like this episode, please share it with a colleague.